Welcome back to Great Move North. More light and longer days opens opportunities to explore stunning surroundings for those who've decided to swap a cityscape for something very different. If you've ever wondered if a move is for you, or even if you're just about to do it, then this just might be the place for you. High-flying expat Laura Glamfield was enjoying a stellar career in the luxurious heart of Dubai's bustling business towers when everything changed, after a very bad haircut for her dog. She took one look and thought she could do far better herself. So Laura set out to learn how to groom her canine companions. But it wasn't just her dog Laura helped. Word spread and soon she was helping others. Then came a life-affirming decision in the Yorkshire Dales. Laura Glamfield, why are we sitting here in this unusual setting with lots of four-legged company? Um, very good story. I have no idea how I ended up here, to be honest. Um, how I got here was I went for a drive in the, in the country one day, about three years ago, um, with um, a gentleman who kept insisting on taking me out for a drive which I didn't particularly want to go on and one boring Sunday he asked me again and I was like okay I've got nothing better to do today so I thought I'll go off and we'll have a drive around the countryside and it was the first time I've been to the Yorkshire Dales and I absolutely fell in love with the place and my heart was here it was like I'd landed home so for the next last three years, I've been searching for a business to purchase over in this area. And that's how I came across Landcliffe Kennels. And that's how I made an offer because of that drive. <laughs> well, that's amazing. You fell in love with the Dales. I absolutely. I, I, first time, I, I mean, I'm from Lancashire. So born and bred in Preston. But it was actually the first time I'd been in the Yorkshire Dales at the age of 53. And I just fell in love with it. And that was it. But I didn't see him again. <laughs> I didn't go for another drive with him. So, yeah, so I un ended up in the Yorkshire Dales driving around and I just felt that I belonged here. My heart was here. And that was it. I think we need to get another little bit of a view on this by <laughs> tracking down the guy and see what his... <laughs> he messaged me a while back. <laughs> so there's four-legged friends around us and we can hear them and a cattery as well yes well i started with um kennels and cattery business back in dubai when i was actually working as a real estate agent and i was coming across all these rest stray animals um cats dogs that needed rescuing so i started to pick up these animals in building sites it got to the point where I had um, the labourers from the building site bringing animals to my door, to the reluctance of my husband at the time, who was not an animal person. But um, so I kept taking these animals in. Um, and then I took one of my dogs for a very, very bad haircut at a local kennels in Dubai. And I thought, I'm sure I could do this job better. So I contacted my mother, who at the time was at home in Preston, and she'd just done an age concern IT computer course. So she knew more about computers than me then and um, searched for a dog grooming course. And there was one in Southport. 
So I ended up packing my bags from Dubai with a one-year-old daughter and did this dog grooming course in Southport. So I was back in the UK for a month, went back to Dubai, set up my own dog grooming business, and I also worked at the local kennels doing dog grooming. And at this point, they had got rid of the girl that was a bad groomer. So I was on my own doing all this. Um, And then my clients were asking me to look after their dogs whilst they were on holiday. So I ended up with lots of dogs in my house and it got a bit too much. So I ended up remortgaging my house back in Preston, taking a bit of money out and renting a piece of desert. This is this is crazy, Laura. So are we missing a bit here? Because I've got this picture of a kind of the crazy dog lady of Dubai yes. selling squillion dirham oh. properties. What what happened? Did you, you know, did you take them into the Swiss estate agents with you? And yeah, it actually worked very well because when I was renting the villas, they had gardens and they were all expats. And it was, we've got this rescued puppy so I was finding that it was quite easy to home these dogs and cats to all the people I was renting villas to. So this comes so, with a free puppy. So it was quite yes, exactly. Your bonus pack. So yeah, so that's how it all started. And, and you walked away then. In all seriousness, you walked away from I imagine which is a pretty high flying real estate career. Yeah. To follow another dream. Yeah. Do you, and at the time I had my daughter, so I was looking as mums do, they'd like to work from home and work around the family. So I was trying to manage things that way. And, um, yeah, so, but in the end, I ended up renting this big piece of desert, connecting electricity on it somehow, don't ask us how we did it, putting buildings on there, getting a water supply in the desert and creating kennels. So, yeah, it was um, a bit different. <laughs> So, so it was good. And then we had some spare bits of land on the side of the kennels and started taking in everything. We had, oh, we've had all sorts. We've had meerkats. We've had baboons. They were, uh, very common in Dubai. The baboons? Was that rehoming? How's, how does well, that Well, no, it's a bit of a difficult one. Um, in, well, I found that in, in the UAE, there was people importing baby baboons so they're about five, six months old. They shouldn't be taken from their mums till they're about two years. So people selling baby baboons for, I think it's about 1,000, 1,500 dirhams, which is about 250, 300 pounds. Anybody could go and buy a baby baboon. So you'd find young locals riding around on a bike with a baboon attached to them. Now, when these animals get to about six seven eight months they become a bit unruly so often they'll just let them go if they're lucky they'll get caught and found and take to either an animal sanctuary or a local zoo around there if they're not so lucky you'll find them chained up in somebody's garden with a chain around their waist like we did one uh, baboon and the chain had embedded itself into the baboon's waist so, um, so you do find things like this. So you're sort of in a place where you see these animals are in need and you also see the lack of education there is out there on animal welfare. So what we did, what I did from there, we started taking all types of animals, even guinea pigs, 
rabbits, chickens, ducks, geese, owls. And um, I started opening it up to the public. So we were then getting school visits, uh, Duke of Edinburgh uh, volunteers. And um, it, it just became an amazing place. And what was so nice is when you were getting the school trips into the farm of the children who had come from, say, inner cities, living in apartments, never really been in the world with animals, these young children would come into the farm and they'd start screaming at the animals because they'd never seen or a cow in real life or a deer or this. So we used to have to teach them, if I walked into your house, would you scream at me? And then once you sort of get into their heads that, oh, hang on a minute, these are animals, they have feelings, they have a heart. And then by the end of the school trip, an hour later, these children would come out of the farm after visiting every animal, stroking animals, feeding animals, and they'd just have a totally new, different respect for animals. And it was just, that was the best thing, is changing people's attitude towards animals. Definitely. So I it mean, was good. It sounds like those children have developed more feelings and more of a heart mm. than the people who acquired the animals illegally. Yeah. Um, in the first place, it's some sort of strange trophy. Mm. It was like trying to get children to understand that even though it's um, a herd of goats, like the big goat is the grandma, those are her two daughters. And those are the grandchildren. And they actually all sleep together at night in one corner. And when you start relating like this to children, they start thinking, oh, it's not just an animal. It's actually, it has feelings. It looks at me. It likes being stroked. It likes being talked to. So, um, yeah, we, um, I think we made a difference. <laughs> and that it just comes through in what you're saying, that, that passion is a completely different connection to what you were doing. This I keep going back to this real estate career. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the contrast? Um, even though it's um, see, real estate is just is customer service and hard work, and very stressful as well. Um, whereas dealing with animals, for me, not for everybody, it comes from the heart, and it's not about the money you're making in real estate. It's not about it's about that look on that animal's face when you've actually just, you've had it say for five months in your kennels without a home and then all of a sudden this amazing family comes along and takes that dog away with them. And that look on the dog's face when it looks back at you, it's just, it's priceless. And you're a person then who's, it's self-evident, it burns from your eyes. You found that passion in the place mm. right here, right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just, I love working with animals. I always have done. I can just walk into the into the kennels and just home in on a dog that's not too happy today and needs a bit of TLC. And that that's sort of what I specialise in. I sort of <laughs> give that one a bit more attention and it's like you can read the animal's needs. So you're the dog whisperer? And can be, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking at the back of my mind about the penthouses in uh, Dubai, but I am thinking at the back of my mind, and I'm sure people listening to this will be. 
What's happened to the animals that you've left behind? Uh, that was hard. Um, a lot of them went to the Sharjah Wildlife Centre. My baboons went down to Abu Dhabi Wildlife Centre. Um, the ponies I had went to Jebel Ali Hotel. Uh, so did my miniature cows. So they all got homed, um, which was tough. But um, You've been back? I've never been back to Dubai since. Do you miss it? No. Do you miss the animals? Yes. But then again, I am surrounded by animals now. So. <laughs> and we've gone through a litany, a real Noah's Ark of animals that you looked after in Dubai. Which ones ha- had the most character? Oh, they're all so different. Everybody, everyone's got different personalities. So you you could have like a favourite cat or a favourite baboon or a favourite pony, but it's all different characters and different needs the animals have that sometimes you just, the ones that you sort of need to take under your wing, I think those are the ones that are more special for me. Less or more needy than the two-legged creatures who want to take you for drives in the country. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, um, no, the animals are more needy. <laughs> so tell me, you've only been in this wonderful establishment for a couple of months, but you're already clearly making a difference. Yeah, um, I mean, the staff have said it's changed, and uh, and clients that are coming and going that regulars have said that the the dogs are going home happier more tired which is a good thing um and the staff that have been here quite a a number of years when I was chatting to them yesterday out in the field and I I was asking them how do you feel it is now Uh, you know how are you liking the routine now and how are the dogs liking it the the dogs are getting more time out the dogs are enjoying themselves Um, there's a lot more we have a lot more staff now there's a lot more interaction with the animals Um, my next thing I want to do is I want to get an agility course in the field right (laughs) so then we can have more fun as well with the animals so fun that's not something one always associates with leaving your dog at the kennels but it should be though shouldn't it it's um, it's like it's like you're going on holiday so why can't your dogs the home from home. The yeah, holiday the from home holiday. from home. That was my motto in my last kennels. If you can go on holiday, why can't your dogs? And our kennels is home from home. So there is a lot more interaction with the dogs, um, which I'm happy about. And the dogs seem to be a lot happier. And that's what it's meant to be. <laughs> now, you got, I know, lots of recognition from your four-legged friends in Dubai. But I think you also picked up some recognition from the wider community while you were there. Yes, um, I was nominated um, for Emirates Woman of the Year. Um, I can't remember what year now. Um, maybe 2017 or 15th, something like that. So they chose, uh, it's a big award run by shakes and things like this. Um, and they had different groups, humanitarian groups, I was nominated for a humanitarian group with four other ladies. And, um, yeah, it was um, a very nice dinner and um, very nice to be actually thought of and put forward for that award. So, um, yeah, it was um, a nice what moment. Happened? What happened? Uh, a local lady one, <laughs> a shaker. <laughs> 
It is Dubai. Less said, yes. It's Dubai. It's their own country. So, yeah. But it was, it was, it was just nice for people to be aware that we had this amazing animal sanctuary that was giving out so much to people and to animals. And I had one... Um, school that used to come and do volunteer work and it was a Australian international school in Sharjah and these children that were coming were from local families fairly wealthy some with like lots of money every month on their credit cards to spend and they these are 15 year olds um and they were actually at my farm mucking out the duck pond which they'd never done before and, but the fact that these children were actually doing something rather than nannies and drivers taking them around and they were actually just getting themselves dirty and just achieving something and learning about the animals and, and being with the animals. And it was, wasn't until about two years later when I'm sat in my office and one of the students phoned me up and said, Laura, I wonder if you can help me. I've just found a kitten on the side of the road. Um, can I bring it to you? Now, if those children hadn't been going to that farm, learning about animal welfare, where they could take the animal, how they, you know, they should be out there helping animals, that kitten would never have been rescued. But it was only because they'd been volunteering at the farm, learning about education, learning about animal welfare, that he actually thought to pick up the kitten and do something about it. So they got this sense of care and yeah. understanding in a pretty unusual setting. Mm. I think also out, out in the Middle East, uh, I found that it wasn't very animal friendly. And it's either... It, it could be a religious thing, especially with the dogs, where you can't really touch the dogs, you have to wash your hands. Um, but it's like understanding the animals. It was like, it, it's just an animal. It's not something with feelings. And, and that's how I, I felt it was out there. And it was, and it was so nice to change the younger generation's attitude towards animals which is what I find most important because you're creating a new generation. You're, you're sort of planting a seed in people's, young people's heads to make a difference in the future. And, um, and it was nice seeing that a couple of years later that a seed had been planted. That sense of um, changing people's perspectives of what the animals' needs are isn't just confined to the young people in Dubai. There's people who need to be taught that in this country yes <laughs> and are you finding that you're able to do that to set an example to offer some guidance on how best to take care of the animals since i've only been here a couple of months in these kennels and my clients are all very good actually they're nice they're really nice people um i know there's a, a lady in Lancliffe trying to set up some kind of animal sanctuary especially to do with hedgehogs and wildlife. So I have been talking to her and mentioned about maybe using some of the buildings here and trying to get something set up. So we'll so see what happens. Possibly hedgehogs. Yeah, uh, which I don't know anything about. <laughs> bit early for baboons in the dales. But yeah, I hope there's no baboons in the dales anyway. So what's the future then? What's the plan? Where do you go from here? Is this it? This is, no, you've I, landed 
in heaven for you. I'm one of these people. I left school at 15 and I've never planned a day in my life. I just go along a path and see, see where it takes me. And then the next thing happens and, and that's how, I've, that's how I, I am where I am. It's a bit of, bit of a worry for people who love the Yorkshire Dales. You might jump in another car and drive off to Scotland or Cornwall or somewhere. So, yeah, so I don't really plan much. I just live for the day more so and see where that takes me. But you took the decision to purchase this place while we were still in the grip of a pandemic. It's a big, yes. big commercial risk. And you've mentioned also that you've grown staff numbers I don't want to get into numbers, but it's it's tricky, isn't it, running a business? It is. It's very hard, especially when you're on your own. It is. It's it's hard. You you got no one to give to talk to to consult with. It's all on your head, and everything has to run smoothly. And most of the time, it does. But as with any business, sometimes it doesn't. But but I think if you believe in what you're doing and you enjoy what you're doing, you will always make it a success. You will always succeed. The first couple of months going on track? Yes. The first couple of months were a little bit hard, taking over from somebody else's way of doing something and then trying to change it into the way you do things. Um, but I think now everything's really good. Everything's running smooth and, yeah. What about the family? You mentioned your daughter. Is she here? Yeah, my daughter's um, in Settle, actually. She's 19. And my son is at Giggleswick, enjoying life there. So um, so they're both settled here. They both love it here, which is very nice. And, um, yeah, lovely people around as well. You don't think they're likely, when they're a little bit older, to jump on a plane and head off to the Middle East? Um, my daughter does have itchy feet, yes. I, I think they were both they were both born in, in the Middle East. And... Um, yeah, my my daughter's misses the heat, <laughs> misses the sun, misses the lifestyle. The expat lifestyle. Yeah, which is totally different. It's it's a completely different cultural phenomenon to everything that you're experiencing here. Just describe that contrast. Um as an expat in Dubai, you're sort of living in a I say a sort of bubble sometimes. Um it is very safe. You've got this beautiful lifestyle, beautiful beaches, beautiful hotels, beautiful restaurants. And then, but it isn't, it's a temporary thing. It's not really a permanent lifestyle. So you do, most people do end up coming back to the UK or South Africa, Australia or wherever they've come from. And then you sort of, when you do come back, like I've been back five years it's like you have actually come home. You're in the real world again. How long did you spend out there? 20, 21 years. And your kids were born there, as you said. Yeah. What took you out there in the first place? Was it real estate? No, cabin crew. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I worked as cabin crew and then went into real estate and then dog grooming and then kennels and cattery and then animal sanctuary and then back to the UK. What an amazing story. So yeah, be a hard work in the Middle East, being a being a single. Well, I, I I was married for two years, and it was it was when I was doing real estate, and I had puppies sitting in the garden, and my husband turned up at the drive in his car, and then reversed out. 
because I had more animals in the garden. <laughs> so, so yes, we went to divorce counselling and he turned around to me and said, I don't want Laura to have any more animals in the house and I don't want her to rescue any more animals. And I turned around and went, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I said, you're asking me to walk past an animal that needs help. And I went, I can't do that. <laughs> so no I was married for about two years. <laughs> no regrets? Right decision? No regrets, and I've devoted myself to the animals. So it was the right decision? It was. I, I wouldn't change anything. I want to go back to the cabin crew for a minute. What's easier to manage this place when it gets busy and noisy or a full cabin you haven't no here here Here. yeah flying was interesting i think when i was when i was a teenager all i wanted to do was travel so um so i went i was actually working for thomas cooks in preston at the travel agents and then i went to work for air 2000 at manchester and then i got a job with gulf air in bahrain which then took me to Dubai, and that's how I ended up there. <laughs> so back to the contrast <laughs> with the four legs and two, which are worse behaved when it comes to bad behaviour? It's got to be two legs. It has to be the two legs. Definitely. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> four legs are fine. It's the two legs that cause the problems. Laura, it's just <laughs> wonderful to talk to you, to meet you. I wish you every success in this Thank amazing you. venture. Thank you very much. <laughs>